push now. I like that. Thank you, Bill. Can you have a hand for Bill? <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. So it's good to see you this morning. Everybody looks great. Um, <clears throat> we hear the word a lot, you know, good heavens. If you're from the South, we say heavens to Betsy. This dessert is heavenly. Heaven on earth. And if it, my favorite group of theologians, Laugh Olympics, remember those? Laugh Olympics, heavens to Murgatroy. Remember that guy? It's my favorite. I love that. So we hear the word heaven a lot, but what is it? You know, and, and, and what, what does it matter really here on earth? Um, I, I heard about a pastor who went to a dentist and he, he sat down in the chair and the dentist started to work on him. As soon as the dentist started to work on him, he said, all right, pastor, tell me, what happens to me when I die? Pastor looked up at him and said, well, that depends on how much you hurt me. <laughs> Why? Because everybody wants to know, everybody wants to know what happens to me when I die. Everybody wants to know the answer to that question. What happens to me when I die? And depending on who you ask, you get different answers. Um, if you're a Muslim, you have 72 virgins and a bunch of couches with grapes to look forward to. If you're a Hindu, you can look forward to being reincarnated as a cow or uh, a rat or an elephant. Uh, if you're an atheist, uh, you believe that after death, it's lights out. You die, and then there's the blackout, and there's nothing more. But we Christians believe something very different. We talk about a place called heaven. And, and last week, Pastor Tim talked to us about how heaven is a real physical place. It's not just a state of being. You know, some people say, well, no, this is my heaven, you know, when they go to the beach, or this is my heaven when they're on top of a mountain. No, that, that's not what we're talking about. We don't mean it as a state of mind or state of being. Heaven is an actual place. Um, the Bible says there are rooms or dwelling places in heaven. I'm not sure what the square footage is, but it's got a lot of rooms. And the Bible says there are streets in heaven, there's trees, there's water. You know, some people even think that there's going to be time in heaven. And so I tell my wife, that's good news. I say, you know, when we get to heaven, you can still be late. Isn't that awesome? And then she looks at me and says, and you can still be single. And and we like to have that conversation, don't we? Not really. We're just, I'm just joking. She doesn't, she doesn't really do that. But the fact that Jesus Christ has a physical body, the Bible says he has an actual body that he will have forever. We'll be able to put our hands in the nail prints, the nail scars in his hands. The fact that Jesus has a physical body is probably the best proof that heaven is a real physical place. I heard about a priest who walked into a bar where some friends were at, and they were having a good time. He walks up to the first man, and he says, Sir, do you want to go to heaven when you die? The man said, Yes, Father, I do. The priest said, Then stand over there against the wall. The priest goes up to the second man and asks him the same thing. Do you want to go to heaven when you die? He said, Yes, of course, Father, I do. He said, Stand over by the wall. Goes to the third man. He says, Do you want to go to heaven when you die? He says, Well, yes. Uh, no. No, I don't. And the, the priest said, what do you mean you don't? You don't want to go to heaven when you die? He goes, oh, yeah, well, when I die, I thought you were getting a group together to go now. 
Now, a lot of times, we're like that guy, that third guy. We're not real excited about going to heaven. And that's because sometimes we have the wrong idea about heaven. Well, there's a lot of ideas out there about heaven. Wouldn't you agree? A lot of people have different ideas about what, what heaven is like. And we're much more excited about earth than we are heaven. And that's really too bad because we've been sold a bill of goods when it comes to heaven. I like earth. Do you guys like earth? I like earth. It's all right, right? Sunsets are beautiful. The sky, the mountains, the oceans. It's a beautiful place. The, the only thing about earth is it's broken. It's a broken place. Nothing works right here. Not even our toasters, our microwaves, none of it, right? And it doesn't last for very long either. That's why there's things called warranties and expiration dates. Because nothing lasts here on earth. Nothing. Everything breaks. So I'm glad we get to go to a perfect place called heaven one day. Aren't you? It's a perfect place. Now, there are a lot of ideas about heaven. The one that you and I are probably most familiar with is this. It's the notion that our final destination for the Christian is that when we die, we're going to go be with God in a realm of the sky somewhere outside of space and time. It's almost like, uh, like we're going to go up and, and in a cloudy, misty, far-off place up in the sky somewhere after we die. Now, I do want to say this. As soon as we take our last breath, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, yes, we are of good courage. In other words, I don't have to fear death. Why? And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So that moment you take your last breath, you go to be in the presence of Christ. Another place Paul says, I am hard-pressed between the two, my desire is to depart and be with Christ. In other words, to depart your earthly body is immediately to be with Christ. We are with Christ. We will be with Christ when we die. But the Bible says we're going to be with him on a new earth under a new heaven. Did you know that? The Bible says this. Revelation chapter 21, it says, Our final destination, our final home is not some mystical place in the sky. It's actually a new earth and a new heaven. That's what scripture says. Revelation says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is John the apostle talking. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride. So he's talking about the church, because he says the bride. He's talking about the church. Beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. So our final destination as Christians... Our final resting place is not going to be on top of a white cloud getting our angel's wings. Scripture is very clear, and we don't talk about this enough 
as Christians that our final destination is going to be a new earth and a new heaven. This is what Scripture teaches. This is what the the Lord has ready for us. But we're not there yet. We're here on planet earth, stuck in our bodies, trapped on this planet with seven and a half billion other people. And here's the question I want to point your attention to. How does heaven affect us now? Here on earth. What difference does heaven make here on earth? See, Jesus said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said there's a connection between heaven and earth. What what we do here on earth will impact what happens to us in heaven. And what happens in heaven impacts us now on earth. There's a connection. Three quick points that I want to share with you. I know some of you may be thinking at this point, Brad, I'd like to share with you my three quick points. I don't care. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Why should you care? Why should you care about what I'm getting ready to share with you? Well, because 31 times Jesus refers to the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. 31 times. There's a a law in theology called the law of repetition. Anytime you see something repeated over and over and over and over in Scripture, it's a good chance that God is trying to communicate a message God never repeats himself or wastes his time and energy just to hear himself talk. He repeats things because he wants us to get them. 31 times Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like, or the kingdom of God. He talks about this realm, this this thing. Secondly, why should you care? Because all of you have lost somebody you love. And if you're not real clear on where they are, that's a very difficult thing to go through. I want to know. I want to think through and and, and really have clarity on where, where are my loved ones that have gone on before me. All of us have lost someone, and we are left trying to find the strength to go on day by day. So let's talk about that real quickly. There's three quick points this morning, and about how heaven affects earth. Number one, I have hope because I have heaven. You have hope because you have heaven. Now, I want to read a scripture to you. Please watch this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters. In other words, he says, I don't want you not to know. I don't want you to be ignorant of this. You need to know about this. By the way, Jesus used to say to the Pharisees, aren't you a spiritual teacher of Israel, yet you don't know these basics? He used to say that to the Pharisees. He used to say, don't you know this? There's just some things that we need to know. Would you agree with that as Christians? Paul in the book of Corinthians over and over goes, don't you know? Know ye not? That you are not your own. Know ye not that your body belongs to the Lord. He says, don't you know? There's just some things we need to know. Paul says, this is one of them. And it's concerning those who have fallen asleep or who have died. The Bible refers to death as sleep. 
so that you will not grieve like the rest, and he's talking about unbelievers, who have no hope. No hope. Now, none of us knows what it is truly to live with no hope. People who even take their life have a glimpse of what it's like to live without hope or to feel that they don't have hope. But every person in this world has hope because Jesus came to this earth as a baby. We have hope because of Christmas. Jesus came to our planet. Jesus came into our situation. He was born of a virgin. He lived and he faced temptation just like you and I. And then he went to the cross. And then, of course, in it, very shortly, we're going to celebrate Easter, the resurrection. Folks, we have hope here on earth because of the gospel. We really don't know what it's like to live without any hope. God lessens our grief. You know, he says, I, I want you, brothers and sisters, he said, I don't want you to grieve like people that don't have hope. He said, you have hope because you have heaven. I'll never forget when I was at Liberty University, I was around 27 years old, and I had a friend of mine, and his name was Larry. Larry was about 32 years old. One day, he was standing in his kitchen going to do some dishes, and he dropped dead of a stroke right there, died. And, he, and Larry was the picture of health. He, he was a, a young guy. He was married. He had a, a child. And Larry was a friend of mine and a friend of one of my other friends. And so my other friend who did not, he, he didn't like going to funerals because it bothered him. He said, Brad, will you go with me to this funeral? I said, sure, I will. So we went to the funeral, and, and Dr. Jerry Falwell performed and officiated the funeral, preached at it. And I remember hearing from my friend, you know, Larry's dad is not a believer. I didn't know that. He's, he said, yeah, he says, Larry's dad's an atheist. He doesn't believe in God at all. And folks, I got to tell you, I, I never understood this verse until I attended that funeral. I remember sitting in this big room. It was at Thomas Road Baptist Church at the time, sitting back there, and I remember watching, and it was so uncomfortable because the father, they had to hold his arms as he walked in. And folks, I have never in my life, before or since, heard wailing like I heard coming from the mouth of that older man. Why? Because he didn't believe. For him, there was no heaven, there was no God, and there, were, there was no Larry anymore. And so in his mind, in his heart, Larry was gone forever. Now, folks, I want you to know and Paul wants you to know that we as believers do not live that way because we know that there is a heaven. We know that there is a God. We know that we will be reunited with those that have gone before us who knew Christ. We have hope because we have heaven. Because we have heaven. Yesterday I spoke to a friend uh, Nicole and I and my son Ethan had gone to eat 
lunch at Cracker Barrel, and there's a, a waitress there who's a friend of ours. Her name is Carolyn. Carolyn is 62 years old. Her mom and dad have been married for 63 years. Uh, 63 years. Her father has been diagnosed with stage 3 pancreatic cancer. They've given him two weeks to three months to live. And she just sort of began to talk to me about this situation. I sat there and I just said, Carolyn, you know, you know they have heaven waiting for them. Now, God heals us. Sometimes he heals us now. Other times he heals us in eternity. But either way, he brings healing. And I was able to look at her and say, you know, heaven is waiting for them. Your father doesn't have to be afraid. He knows where he's going. He knows the Lord. That is waiting for him. I wish you could have seen her face. It was just like this sense of, yeah, right. Just this sense of comfort, this sense of peace, this sense of reassurance of knowing the future that God has for every believer is heaven. Now, secondly, because I have heaven, because we have heaven, personally in my life, I hold myself accountable. Now, let me explain what I mean. I am no longer afraid of going to hell. There was a time in my life when I was. And what happened in my life was I made a decision because I heard the good news of Jesus Christ. I heard that Jesus had died for me and that he was buried and three days later he came to life and that if I trusted him, I would go to heaven with him. So in my life, I made a decision. I made a decision to put my faith in Jesus and because I did that, I no longer am afraid of going to hell. And now that I'm going to heaven and eventually to the new heaven and the new earth, I hold myself accountable. Now, what I mean by that is instead of just letting myself go, I try to control myself. Some of you may say, well, Brad, it looks like you've let yourself go. <laughs> well, thank you. That's when you go, oh, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'll take pity. I'm not above that. We, we hold ourselves accountable. I, I, I try, rather than just give in to temptation, I fight the tempter with everything I have. Not because I'm afraid that if I don't, I won't go to heaven, but because I know that I am going to heaven. And what I do here on earth affects how much I'm going to enjoy heaven. Did you know that? In the Bible, there's this thing called the judgment seat of Christ. There's the great white throne judgment where every person, righteous and the wicked, goes before God and he judges them. But then there's the judgment seat of Christ. And that is for believers. We will stand before Christ and give an account for the Christian life we lived. What did we do with Jesus? What did we do with the giftings that God gave us? Did we serve? Did we uh, build the body of Christ? Did we build his bride? Did we serve his mission on earth? Did, did we go to all the world and preach the gospel to every nation the way Jesus commanded us to? Did we do those things? We're going to stand before God and Jesus will evaluate our life. I do my best to say no to temptation because I've said yes to heaven. 
I see some of you shaking your head yes. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Because of heaven, we seek purity. Purity. Now watch this. Watch this verse, these verses. Paul says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Wait a minute, when was I raised? I know Jesus was raised, but when was I raised? I was raised when he was raised. It's called vicariousness or vicarious death and resurrection. It was as if I was there in the mind of God and in the heart of Jesus. In you too. When Christ raised, we were raised. When Christ died, the old you died. The old me died. And so he says, since then you've been raised with Christ. It's as sure as Jesus has resurrected that you and I well, even though we will die, we will be resurrected and we will live with Christ forever. Set your hearts on things above. Things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Last week, Pastor Tim reminded us, heaven is where God dwells. Do you remember that? It's his throne room. God dwells and he's ruling over the kingdom of heaven. Heaven is a kingdom over which God is ruling. It's his dwelling place. It's where God lives. Right now, the Bible teaches Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. The right hand represents all authority and all power. It represents closeness and representation. Jesus represents God the Father in everything. And he does it perfectly. Sinlessly. He says, set your minds on things above heaven, not on earthly things. For you died. What, are you, what is he talking about? When Christ died, you died. We died with Christ. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And then in verse 5, he says, put to death, therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore in Scripture, you need to ask the question, what is it there for? The word therefore is telling us it's transitioning. It's saying, because of everything I've said in the first few verses, you need to listen now. Verse 5. Because of all this is true, Jesus is at the right hand, you've been raised, you've, been, you've died with Christ, and because of this, I want you to set your mind on it now. Because of all that. Verse 5, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived... But now you must also notice the word. Notice the language he's using. Rid yourselves. You need to look at your sins and say, good riddance. Good day, sir. Get out of my life. You need to fight the tempter. I'm not saying that we don't fail or we don't sin, but we fight. It's a battle, isn't it? 
and you're in the battle, and, and we're on the battlefield. We're not spectators in the stands watching this game of life. We're involved, and there's nothing you, can, you, you can't rise above it. You can't get out from underneath it. You've got to go through it. It's a battle. And he says, I want you to seek purity. Purity. Because heaven is pure. Because Jesus is pure. Be perfect as I am perfect, Jesus said. Now, nobody's perfect except the Lord. But that's our standard. That's what we're going for, right? That, that, that's our goal, is to be pure the way Jesus is pure. He says, rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you have, notice the, the language, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have, notice the language, put on the new self. Remember the, the verse, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There's there's you BC and there's you AD. There's Brad BC before Christ, and then there's Brad AD after Christ. There are things that were true of you before you knew Jesus. But now that you know Jesus, there are lots of new things that are true about you. And lots of old things, hear me, lots of old things, praise God, they're not true anymore. I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. Amen? We're on the road to becoming pure like Jesus. It's called sanctification, the theologians call it. I call it, let's be like Jesus. And, and he says, which is being renewed. This new self is being renewed. It's made new, renewed, made new every day. In knowledge, in the image of its creator. So because of heaven, we hold ourselves accountable. We hold ourselves accountable. Thirdly, I have heaven because I have Jesus. Heaven, heaven is an amazing place. And God says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to be there. Isn't that wonderful? No matter what you're currently experiencing no matter what difficulties you have right now, your future is nothing less than heaven itself. And you know what's even greater than that? See, paradise is not the real prize. Jesus is. Heaven's not the final prize. Jesus is. Can't you imagine... I love that song, I Could Only Imagine. What's it going to be like when we finally lay physical eyes on the one we've been walking with all these years on earth? 
I mean, I want to see the mansions in heaven, and I want to see the rooms, and I want to see the streets of gold, and I want to see the sea of glass, and I want to see all these things. But you know what I want to see more? I want to see Jesus. I just want to look on him. I want to behold him. I want to be close to him. He's the prize. He's the prize. Um, Henry Nuon, in his book, Our Greatest Gift, tells a parable of faith and hope. Now listen to this closely. He imagines twins, a brother and a sister, talking to each other inside of their mother's womb. The brother and the sister, these two little babies, these twins inside the mother's womb. The sister says to the brother, I believe there is life after birth. Her brother protests vehemently. No, no, no. There, this is all there is. This is a dark and cozy place, and we don't have anything else to do in our life but cling to the cord that feeds us. The little girl insists. There must be something more than this dark place. There must be something else, a, a place where there's light, where there's freedom to move around. Still, she couldn't convince her twin brother. After some silence, the sister hesitantly said, I have something else to say, and I'm afraid you won't believe that either, but I think there is a mother. And the little brother says, what? No, there's no such thing as a mother. He shouted, what are you talking about? I've never seen a mother, and neither have you. Who put that idea in your head? As I told you, this place is all we have. Why do you always want more? Why can't you just be satisfied? This is not such a bad place. It's warm, and I mean, I know we don't have full freedom. We don't move around, but you know, at least we're alive. The sister was quiet for a while, but she couldn't let go of this thought. And so she spoke up because she didn't have anybody else to talk to but her little twin brother. And she says, don't you feel these squeezes every once in a while? They're quite unpleasant, and sometimes they even are painful. Yes, he answered, what's special about that? Well, the sister said, I think that these squeezes are there to get us ready for another place. Much more beautiful than this, where we will see our mother Face to face. Don't you think that's exciting? The brother didn't answer. He was fed up with the foolish talk of his sister and felt that the best thing would be simply to ignore her and hope that she would leave him alone. You know, there is a father. There is life after death. There is heaven, and there is hell. And thank God there is Jesus Christ. And we are being prepared now for that place when we will see Jesus face to face. Are you prepared to see him? Do you know what's going to happen to you when you die? Do you ever doubt in your heart or mind that you're going to go to heaven? You know, right now, 
the Lord tells us, today is the day of salvation. Today is the acceptable year of our Lord. What better time to confirm and to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you die, you will be with Christ in his presence. You can make that decision now. If you've never made it before, you can accept Christ Put your faith in him in your life. Let's pray together.